0: Welcome to the Moving Lives Forward podcast. I'm Rebecca Webb. In this episode, our theme is impact and how pro bono professionals are helping nonprofits have their greatest impact. As you heard, a growing number of retiring professionals want to make a meaningful contribution even after they leave their day jobs. And there's no shortage of well-meaning nonprofits who need their help. With us in studio today, Janice Jasinski, co-founder of Social Purpose Works. And Judy Strand, CEO of Metropolitan Family Service, which is supported and incubated social purpose works. Judy, let's start with you and if you could give us some definitions, because I know a big part of this is retiring professionals, what is called the Encore Movement. What is that? Well, the Encore Movement
1: really grew out of the fact that there were increasing amounts of retirees who really wanted to make a difference in the world after they were done with their career. And we saw that they started to approach social service agencies and nonprofits about how they could help. So over the course of the last 20 years, there's been a robust effort to match Encore careers with needs in nonprofits.
0: All those retiring baby yeah. boomers. <laughs> exactly. And how is this different really than from, you know, run-of-the-mill volunteerism? Yeah, Well, you know,
1: I think when you think about nonprofit traditional volunteers, you think about direct service to the clients, you think about help with administrative tasks, you think about events, board service, those are all traditional volunteer roles. This is different because it really takes the specific capacity and wisdom of the retiree and matches it with a specific need in the organization that, that may be more of a business need not necessarily a service need.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that there are certain things that nonprofits need that they maybe can't get from their pool of of well-meaning volunteers. Yeah. And what of those which of those have emerged as skill sets that nonprofits need? Yeah, we're
1: seeing a lot of need around human resources, a lot of need in marketing, a lot of need around just strategic planning in general and looking at business development in in the, the nonprofit sector, in the nonprofit agency.
0: Okay, great. Janice, can you sort of describe a typical project for us? Give us kind of an example of a, a project where a professional has benefited a nonprofit through their sure, service? Sure,
2: I'd be happy to. So Judy mentioned generically some of the types of projects, and if we dig into one of those categories and we look at a marketing project, we'll see um, a project where a nonprofit has a program and they want to do some rebranding or reach a new audience, and they're looking at um, obtaining help from a professionally skilled volunteer to help them to develop that plan and then implement it and reach both whether it's donors or clients, reach with their message. So that would be one example.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that we're using the term project. So it's not an ongoing. This isn't somebody who volunteers for this organization forever. What does
2: the length look like oftentimes? That's very true. So with our program, Social Purpose Works, we are matching what we call shorter-term projects They can be anywhere from 50 hours to up to 500. Most of our projects we're seeing are between about 100 and 200 hours. And these pro bono professionals, many of them want flexibility. So nonprofits are really encouraged to uh, have flexibility about the timing of the project, the work hours the location, et cetera. Those are all aspects of projects that are important to pro bono professionals.
0: So after you've matched a professional with a nonprofit, it's up to them to kind of work out the details of of their involvement?
2: Certainly for the kind of project definition but most of those things, many of those things, like the hours of the project, et cetera, are all um, determined ahead of time, an estimate, so that a pro bono professional would know what they were going to commit into.
0: And are they ever paid? I mean, we're talking pro bono, but I'm just wondering if there's ever a sense, maybe by the nonprofit, that they actually want to compensate this person because of the great gift they've been given.
2: Well, I think there is no actual compensation. These are all volunteer projects. However, that being said, a nonprofit always has an option of offering a stipend for a job well done, or to thank a volunteer. So that can be done. And if there was a very unique skill set or a very long time commitment that was desired, a nonprofit may decide that a stipend would make sense in a case like that.
0: Great. What are you hearing from uh, nonprofits in terms of how they're benefiting from these professionals?
2: Well, I think the obvious benefits are the ability to access the talents of a experienced, you know, talented uh, volunteer. So that's an obvious benefit. And um, as well, I think that uh, they also get to um, target where they either don't have the funds to work on a project or where they don't have the in-house talent that they need to complete a certain project. But there's also hidden benefits that we see. And those hidden benefits go beyond the project because they have access to this person who's, you know, has a wealth of experience. So we often find that after an engagement, a nonprofit may still want to sometimes um, bounce ideas off that pro bono professional. Uh, You know, we've heard of cases where pro bono professionals have Um, You know, been asked to give advice about boards or other areas and sometimes even becoming donors. So there can be a lot of hidden benefits uh, beyond just the projects. Mm. And
0: I guess uh, you could probably extend that in time beyond the end of the project. Yes. If both sides wanted to do that. Excellent. So would you, Judy and Jana, stick around? Uh, We're going to come back to you. But what I'd like to do is meet a couple of pro bono professionals who are working with nonprofits and representatives of the nonprofits they're working with right after a short break. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.FM. Welcome back to Moving Lives Forward, the first episode of our podcast. Today, we're learning about social purpose works, which connects pro bono professionals with nonprofits who need their expertise. I'm Rebecca Webb. Joining us in the studio now is Lee Latour, marketing and business development consultant. And joining us from San Francisco is Russell Williams, Global Human Resources Executive. Lee and Russell, welcome.
3: Hey, hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me.
0: You've both chosen to lend your expertise at no charge, to a Portland nonprofit. So... From all of us, thank you so much for that good work. Lee, would you tell us what the Children's Book Bank is briefly and why you decided to volunteer
3: with them? Sure. Uh, The Children's Book Bank uh, is is an amazing organization. Uh, What they do in a nutshell, and I'm sure Danny can expand on this, is they collect books from uh, various sources. People donate or run book drives. So they take these used books, and they have a cadre of volunteers is that actually come in and clean the books. They tape, they erase, they clean the binding, uh, so the books are as close to new as possible. They also have books that are donated to them that are new, etc. And then what they do is they package these books. They make packets of books, about 14 books uh, that are age-appropriate, usually for younger children, although they do service older children. Um, and then they're distributed throughout the schools in Multnomah County, primarily through Head Start. This last year, they distributed over 10,000 books to children and to families who don't have the means to have books in their home. So for many children and families, this is the first time they've had books that they're their own. Wow! You know, uh, and um and they've been doing this for a little over 10 years and it's it's pretty amazing what they're doing. In the process of doing this this last year they uh did a, a strategic plan for the future wanting to expand so they could reach more children and families and in the process of that looking at the impact they found a very interesting phenomena a little bit. You know, you had parents who were, you know, these are typically low-income families who can't afford to buy books. You had a group of parents who grew up with books and had them and were very excited about reading to their children, but really didn't have the means. And then you had some parents who didn't have books in their home, really wanted to engage their children in reading, but didn't quite know how, for lack of a better word, felt a little uncomfortable. So the folks at uh, the Children's Book Bank said, let's see how we can make something for them. So rather than give them a sheet of paper that says, open the book, read the book, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, point stuff out, they created a suite of interactive reading games under the umbrella of called bonding with books. And in the process of doing this, they received feedback from volunteers and others when they were showing them this is like, well, where can I buy this? I would really love to be able to do this with my grandchild. So they heard that often enough that they well, maybe there's a business potential here, and so what I am doing with them is doing a business exploration. Are these products viable. They are a pretty amazing group of people at Children's Book Bank. I went in and they already had all these prototype maids. I mean, they're kind of entrepreneur in the heart anyway. So that's the sort of work that I'm doing is looking at the different interactive games that they have and then determining what the viability is for a retail market uh, that is not for the families that they serve, but for other individuals. And we've been conducting focus groups, and we're in process of testing the games with the children right now. And it's been a really very, very interesting process for them and for me. I love it. You could have given your expertise, though, to any number of worthy causes. Mm -hmm. Why books. Oh, uh, because I love books. You. <laughs> <laughs> I love books. And um, I'm an avid reader. I read to my children all the time. My children are avid readers. My daughter is actually a professor of writing and English literature. And the whole thing of the impetus or the impulse and the idea that just having books around children, they learn to engage and get excited about reading and to help foster that with family and young children that just only for economic purposes don't have that. The other great thing, if I can add, that the book Bank has done is they also looked at, well, you know, what about uh, children of color of different diversity? So they have a section of books that are in Spanish. They have books that are representative African-American culture. So they're expanding this so that they can then include and then those go in those packets for, for those families also. I
0: love it. They're lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. So... Russell, are you still with us?
4: Yes, I'm still here.
0: <laughs> Great. Let me ask you the kind of the same question. What attracted you, first of all, to this type of volunteerism and specifically to Rose Community Development?
4: So I began my journey when I discovered that I needed to start preparing myself for my next life in terms of my career development And what I want to do as I transition from commercial enterprise, I want to be in a position where I can give back to the community. And so one of the things I did was got qualified through the Taproot Foundation, where you can do pro bono service for nonprofits. And then I discovered, as I began to explore the services there, that social purpose works wasn't organization in Oregon that service that com- that community, and they posted on Taproot this opportunity at Rose, and I'm a human resources professional by training and by profession, and so I followed up with Social Purpo- Purpose Works. Uh, what was interesting there was that they have a qualifications process to do pro bono work for the nonprofits that are part of that network. And so I got qualified, and then I did it on the project at Rose because it was about community development and specifically about affordable housing. And it met two essential goals that I have. One is I want to be able to give back in such a way that I can impact the organization and help that organization continue to grow and develop based on its mission and vision. And the project that I took on at Rose was an in-depth, comprehensive organizational assessment. And so that met a couple of objectives. Become involved in a team. Have an opportunity to influence the strategic vision of the organization. And the output of the work that I would do would enable me to build strong relationships in such a way that it was consistent with the culture and the overall purpose of that organization. And it's just simply been a very rewarding experience. And it was a very rigorous process to get the engagement. And the process was a significant qualifications process that Rose took me through in terms of testing whether or not I had the competencies and whether or not I had the track record and experience to do the work. And particularly what was engaging for me in that process was they had identified specific deliverables that they wanted as the outcomes from the project, and that's essential to be able to establish a workable arrangement and way of working the project with the organization. And I really credit the leadership of Social Purpose Works and the way they design the process of getting qualified to do the work and to put in my bid with, with Rose. And then secondly, I give a lot of compliments to Rose in terms of their critical assessment of my capabilities prior to saying, yes, we want to partner with you to do this work. So I can't speak enough for the way in which Social Purpose Works and Rose partner to qualify pro bono professionals like myself to come in and join their team because you are joining their team and you're becoming a member of that organization for the duration of the work that you're doing. Uh, it's just going to a very uh, fun, very worthwhile, uh, and personally, it's sort of enriched my understanding of how to engage an organization and how to do this work in a purposeful and impactful way. So, this pro bono work, for me, has enabled me to Add a check mark to my transition ultimately at some point over the next five years of really becoming more involved in uh, not for profit organizations and helping them develop their organizations to be more strategic. And just as a sidebar, after I got engaged with Rose, I've now developed three other significant relationships with other nonprofits where in one nonprofit that's in early childhood development, I'm a board member representing the Human Resources Committee. So, this opportunity to do pro bono work uh, for interested people, I think, is a significant way to continue to stay intellectually sharp. If you're interested in giving back to your community, here's a platform to do it, and if you're interested in continuing to have enrichment uh, in your professional life. Here's a platform to achieve that.
0: I can hear how passionate you are about it. I'm wondering, do you bring something unique to Rose as a person of color?
4: Uh, I think I do. And one of the other things that I was really impressed about Rose is they've taken this Mm -hmm. critical step in terms of First, building a greater awareness of diversity, equity, and inclusion within their organization. And they've put a stake in the ground in terms of making an investment and a commitment to building some principles and norms that will permeate through all parts of the organization. And then getting back to the thing that I really have enjoyed in my partnership with Rose is their call to action. We think and we feel and we have this intention, but are we re- really willing to make an investment and make a change and do something that makes us even better? And I would say in the diversity, equity and inclusion area, uh, they're on the path to making some building an organization where that's part of just who they are and how they go about doing affordable housing, and supporting other critical community development initiatives.
0: Wonderful. I want to bring in the nonprofits and stick around, Russell, because you're going to want to hear what they have to say about you, okay? Danny Swope was with us in the studio, Executive Director of Children's Book Bank, along with Nick Savi, Executive Director of Rose Community Development. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having us. Danny, let's start with you because I know this isn't the first pro bono professional you've had at Children's Book Bank. What did Lee bring in terms of her expertise?
5: Well, as Lee mentioned, um she has business development in her background and that's exactly what we needed for this particular project to take some tools that we had developed to serve um, the families that we work with and see if there's an opportunity and an an exploration to see if they're something that we can capitalize on to support our mission financially, which is something that nonprofits are always looking for in another revenue stream.
0: Right, a way to continue to exist. (laughs) So will that be the proceeds from that then would go toward the
5: nonprofit? Budget. Right. that's the that's the general idea of of this particular project that Lee's helping us. Um, Determine if there's a market for the tools that we have created for families that help families engage um, with their children while reading. And um, the ultimate goal is that, you know, if they are a sellable product, that um, those would be dollars that would then be um, directed towards our mission and the, the work that we do every day.
0: I would think that with books, that would be something that would be well-supported and well-funded. How critical is the, you know, potential business development to your success and survival?
5: Well, I can speak for just about every nonprofit (laughs) that, um, you know, you... It, the work that we do needs financial support to, um, you know, to keep the lights on, to pay staff, to to develop our programs, to um, achieve deeper outcomes. So whenever there's an opportunity to um, find a uh, potentially sustainable source of revenue, that just strengthens our capacity as a nonprofit to deliver on our mission and make a difference in the community. Wonderful. Nick, would you define Rose Community Development for us? Rose
6: is a neighborhood-based nonprofit. We've been working to revitalize outer Southeast Portland neighborhood since 1992, and we're here recording today on Southeast Foster Road, so um, we're right here in Rose's neighborhood. And how would
0: you characterize Russell's contribution?
6: Russell worked with us on an organizational assessment that um, we wanted to do in preparation to um, doing a new strategic plan that we're working on this year.
0: As a nonprofit, um, are there kinds of skills that you're finding in your pool of volunteers that are consistently you're short on? Uh, and, And are there skills that you particularly sought out in the pro bono professional that Russell is?
6: Rose is a relatively small organization. We've got, um, 10 staff and, um, we really have a community board of directors, um, so we've really got a mix of um, professionals and people that live in the neighborhood. And um, just um, you never have um, enough staff to do all the things that you try to do. That we don't have an HR department for a ten-person organization. So um, Russell really brought a high level of skill. I told you'd like what he said, Russell.
4: Thank you. I, I think. Just hitchhiking on Nick's comments, I think the one thing that I was very impressed with Nick and the leadership of the organization and the board is once we got through qualifying me, we set up a pre-work session where we defined the project scope and defined the milestones and the metrics that would determine whether or not we were successful and we scoped the number of hours, we measured our progress. Nick and I had a standing 15 to 30-minute planning meeting every week over the course of the project, so we were working real-time, adjusting real-time, and always staying focused on why we were doing what we were doing and evaluating whether or not we were achieving the level of quality and the deliverables that we were seeking. Awesome. Kudos to that organization for embracing a rigorous planning and focus on execution.
0: Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us from San Francisco, Russell. It was great to have you with us. Thank you. And Nick and Danny, great work that you do. Thanks for being here today. We're going to learn a little more about the Encore Movement, specifically in the Portland area, right after this. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. Welcome back to Moving Lives Forward. Janice and Judy are back with us now. Janice Jasinski, co-founder of Social Purpose Works, and Judy Strand, CEO of Metropolitan Family Service, which has supported and incubated Social Purpose Works. Judy, let's zoom in on the Portland Encore movement. How is this trend manifesting here? You know, there's
1: so many things going on in Portland that support this kind of work. There's the bigger, age-friendly Portland effort, which states a goal of attracting and retaining educated and engaged residents as they retire. There's generations to generations and nationwide movement to bring the strength and the capacity forward to communities to help children, but specifically in Portland, we have an Encore Fellow program that's supported by Social Venture Partners Portland that has really spearheaded this whole effort. More specifically, to provide Encore Fellows with purposeful work in nonprofits for the last uh, ten or ten or so since years, twenty twelve, and since twenty twelve.
0: So what made MFS exactly decide to launch Social Purpose Works? You'd provide such an array of services. Yeah, we've always been really dedicated to uh, the
1: power of the intergenerational connection. And we do that through our direct service with our experience Corps program that matches older adults with children. But what we were seeing in the potential of Encore work was a different kind of support around business acumen for us to to reach some of our mission goals that we really um, wanted to future. So we brought on one of the first Encore Fellows, um, which is the other co-founder, Cheryl Edmonds, in 2011, from the first class of Encore Fellows from Social Venture Partners. And she and we co-created this concept during her tenure as an Encore Fellow. And we got really excited about the power of that for the nonprofit community in which we exist.
0: Excellent. She's going to be joining us for the part two of the podcast. In fact, Janice, would you give us the nuts and bolts? How exactly do you go about connecting volunteers with nonprofits?
2: I'd be happy to do that. So socialpurpose.works really provides a comprehensive matching service. And, but it's also very easy for nonprofits and pro bono professionals to do this. We streamline the process by gathering the data of the pro bono professionals and the nonprofits through our website, which is socialpurpose.works, and, um, and their pro bono professionals can also browse projects that are posted and express interest if they, if they have in those projects. But besides the technology and the website, our service is really a very personal one. Um, Our Social Purpose Works team, we interview every pro bono professional. We look to understand their interests, their desires. We do the same thing with the um, nonprofits to understand their organization. We work with them to craft the projects so that they're going to be compelling for the pro bono professionals. We also check references, we do background checks on our pro bono professionals. And so um, all that upfront work, that helps us to find the best candidates for a project. And we present those to the nonprofits, and then they do interviews, and it is their decision as to who they bring on to do the project.
0: This discussion today really has been so inspiring. Such a great idea to pair professionals with nonprofits to a great end, I'm sure. Thank you so much for being with us, Janice Jasinski, Judy Strand, Lee Latour, Russell Williams, Danny Swope, Nick Savi. Really great having you all here.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Social Purpose Works Podcast. Hope to see you next time. Thanks for joining us for the Moving Lives Forward Podcast, a production of Portland Radio Project in partnership with Metropolitan Family Service. This episode is produced by Nastasia Voisen, recorded and edited by Daniel Lynn. I'm your host, Rebecca Webb. See you next time.